All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! here like I don't I won't cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and Valentine's Day wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let me know. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 68 
68 quads just around the corner. And that's our man on the side here, David Quadrelli. How you doing, buddy? I'm so excited for episode 69. We're going to have some fun on episode 69, I think. I think uh, we're just going to joke around about how it's episode 69 the whole time. I thought I was going to get in trouble for that. That was the one thing I posted on social media from uh, my Botchford night. And I'm so surprised no one else did it yet. Because when you go up there and you sit in that spot, you're in seat 65. And it goes by two. So it's 65, 67, 69. I was like... How has nobody taken a video of seat 69 yet in the media room? But that's probably why we're not there every night uh, because of that professionalism. Quads, how's it going, man? Busy uh, week for the Vancouver Canucks. You just did the post game as well for the Ottawa Senators game. Let's yes. just start right there. I mean, you you do the post game. Obviously, you have to look at the game a lot and you have to write about it as well. Um, so I'm curious, what did you take away from that game? Because walking into Ottawa, you would really think the Canucks would be able to run away with that one. Yeah, so what I took away from that game is that this team misses Jacob Markstrom. That's really the main thing that I saw in that game was Thatcher Demko didn't have a great start. You know, obviously you can't blame the, the whole game on him. Those are some weird bounces, especially the second Senator's goal was, um, yeah, it was it was a weird bounce for sure on Demko, and it was like a tip-in behind him, so you can't really blame him for that one. But I have to say, like, you know, a couple of those goals is like, I'd say one, three, and four. Those are routine saves for Jacob Markstrom. Mm. Like we're we're so used to seeing, you know, and like I'm not out here trying to say Thatcher Demko's bad, but I'm, you know, I tell you almost every week, I'm not convinced that that I haven't seen enough from Thatcher Demko, and that that start against Ottawa didn't show anything more. I don't think it does, doesn't help his case much in in terms of like being able to take over the starters role. So just I I guess when I look at it, and you know, when we see a game like that. You you really it it really makes you understand how much this team not only relies on Jacob Markstrom but how big he's come up for them so many times. Like Markstrom has just been unbelievable this year. He's been the MVP. Everybody knows that. And I just I don't know, man. Like I look at Demko, and I see a young goaltender who still has to grow. And I think games like this are the best way for him to grow. I just point, I really think he's gonna bounce back. Like I'm I'm confident in Demko. I'm just not more. I'm not confident enough to be like, oh, let's ship Markstrom out out the door. Like you know, no need to resign him. We've got Demko. Like right. I think Demko is gonna be a great goaltender in this league. I, I really do. Would you say that last night's game? And we're recording this on Friday. I know it'll be out on Saturday. But would you say that the Thursday night game against the Ottawa Senators was? a letdown game for Thatcher Demko because you mentioned he lets in four goals and obviously the empty netter makes it five. Uh, they lose five two, so they can't put up goals. But the fact that, you know, he lets in four goals on 24 shots, um, we just haven't seen that from Jacob Markstrom all year long, I guess. No, we haven't. Like, you know, Jacob Markstrom has, you know, it's tough to compare him to Jacob Markstrom because Jacob Markstrom has been insane. Like, you know, Talking about him being up for the Vesna, the heart. Like, you can't expect... Nobody's expect... Well, I guess some people are, actually, on Twitter. Some people are expecting Thatcher Demko to come in and be Jacob Markstrom. But you, that's just an unfair expectation to have. Demko's still only, what, like, 20, 24, 25? Yeah, just yeah. turned 24. Just Oh, wow, there you this go. This year, yeah. Yeah, so he's still young. He's got room to grow. Like, Markstrom didn't become a starter until he was 30. And, like, you know, I talked about it on 1040 the other night. I'm working on a really deep dive onto how Markstrom was the best goaltender in the Swedish Elite League and then just fell off and yeah, you were asking me for my uh, my Swedish connections You're yes. like, who do you have in Sweden I'm like I don't know yeah I've got uh, a couple now from uh, JD Burke I'm yeah JD's a good guy to go through obviously with elite prospects and everything but um let's touch on what was it Wednesday night we were down there with Rob Faye again pretty awesome for him to have yeah. us in the studio how much fun was that insane it was like awesome i just i really enjoy going on 1040 and you know i've done it like three times now you've done it what three times as well yeah yeah so that was both of our 
fourth time or maybe third time. Yeah, I think yeah. Like it was like our that. first time together on yeah. here, which was pretty first cool. time together. We get the full hour together. It was awesome. And you know the way that started was just Rob being like, "Hey, want to come talk Canucks for fifteen minutes? Call in." And I was like, "Yeah, for sure. You got to have Faber and I in though." He's like, "Pick a night." I was like, "How about tonight?" And then I <laughs> called you. I'm like, "Chris, come pick me up. Let's go downtown." And then that's exactly what we did. It was a ton of fun. Uh, we just you know we really get along well with Rob Fay. Uh, really good on air with him he's it's a just, lot of fun on air but i think a lot yeah. of people don't know how much fun he is off air yeah. as well like yeah. he's, he's a he's a hilarious guy like the producers every time they're coming back from break the producers are just trying to like not to crack up uh and i'm gonna be working with rob fay obviously this summer with the vancouver canadian so it's gonna be a lot of fun to learn from him uh, but yeah every time we get an opportunity like that with tsn 1040 it's just so much fun because it's it's awesome to have the interaction that's something that we don't have with the podcast is mm-hmm. like immediate interaction or the immediacy to act, like answer questions and stuff like that like with tsn 1040 it's so much fun having like the text lines people calling in tweeting in so yeah it, it was a hell of a lot of fun but um yeah so that's a wednesday night in between games then we wrap it up but what did you what did you think of tyler Toffoli over the past little bit because man he's stepped into this team and i know i barely touched on it uh when they did trade for him but he's stepped right into this line now with elias Pettersson and jt miller and just he's produced so far he's come up and been effective already like immediately made an impact to this team yeah we were talking about him being a huge impact at on the power play but we're seeing it at five on five as well what do you think's working right now with that first line well i think he's a skilled player playing with two other skilled players and i i would really you know i'm still i'm still like you know when we talk about what i take away from that game against ottawa i really take away that why the hell is louis erickson still in the top six like i know they have the second shutdown line. That's what Bo Horvat's line is. Like Travis Green insists on using that as a second shutdown line. Sure, I understand it. Louis Erickson's decent defensively, but you cannot have a guy in your top six who just cannot produce any offense. Like there has been, like at what point do you get sick of watching Louis miss an open net or just an offensive chance just dies as soon as it's, the puck goes to his stick? Like at what point does that bother you? Because it's already bothered me. And I put it in my post game report. I'm like, how much longer can the Canucks justify putting Louis Erickson in the top six? I just like, like let alone the lineup at this point, right? Exactly. I mean, like, like till, till Bester gets back. Is that when the top six is going to fill out? Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. there's a guy in the press box. I put this in my post game report. There's a guy in the press box named Zach McEwen. Who's just sitting there. He's not a great player, but damn, he's got to be better than Erickson. When the games matter this much and there is like, the games are tougher. The games are tougher to play in. Having a physical presence like McEwen in is a good thing to have. And, you know, he can put the puck in the back of the net if he has to. He's a strong skater. I just, I, you know, I'm going to go on another rant here. I already know. Oh, go this, off. This already shit. is one, but damn, like, I just, I, I look at it and I just say, what the frick, man? Like, I'm not going to swear. We're trying to do that less now. It's but safe. Yeah. What the hell is going on here? Like, why is Louis Erickson still in the top six? It just, it doesn't make sense. It's like, think you have it now, all this like, depth. Even in the regular season, you think of it, but imagine playoffs, right? And this is something we kind of touched on when we were on 1040 as well. But I think that if you're looking at what Louis Erickson is going to bring to your team in the playoffs, you really don't want him in the top six, obviously. No kidding. You know, yeah. at that point, you're going to really want to have a Brock Besser who goes back to that first line, yeah. mix up the lotto line again. Then that's when we might see Toffoli on the second line, which is somewhat of a confusing situation for me why we haven't seen Toffoli yeah, on that line yeah. because I feel like when Brock Besser's back, he's not going to go play with Horvat and yeah. Pearson, but I think he's going to go back and play with Pedersen and Miller. And the fact that they're not playing to Foley I agree with, with you. Horvat and Pearson doesn't really make sense. Yeah, you have to build that chemistry now, right? Because, you, you know, Besser could come back, I think, like, it, it could be, like, as as late as three games before the like the playoffs. I think that's what they're looking at. Like, he I, he told Clay Emu he's going to be back for playoffs. So Insider. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, 
But I, I look at it and I say, okay, they're going to reunite the lotto line, most likely. And Toffoli's going to go play with Pearson. You know, they had success, Pearson and Toffoli this is, they had success in the playoffs when they were on the Kings, but are we really thinking that they're just going to jump on that line and immediately be effective? Well, the the first shift that Tyler Toffoli played with Bo Horvat, he scores an overtime winner. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, exactly. like, they, they've had that right off the bat. And that's the thing that, you know, we, like, everyone, every single person out there, there was nobody picking that he was going to go play with Patterson yeah, and Miller, yeah. right? Everyone thought he was hopping into that second line, and I've talked about it a lot. I think that Jake Furtanen brings a lot to that first line just because of the speed that he brings to that line and opens up more ice for those guys. But what what is it about Toffoli that you like that we don't get out of Jake Furtanen on that top line right now? I think he's just a smarter player, man. Like, there's way too many plays where you watch Jake Furtanen just, like, just make the wrong play. And you can see it from a mile away when it's coming. Like, he, like, does that little thing where he kind of stick handles himself into nowhere. It's like you can see his brain freeze <laughs> at, like, certain times on the ice, I guess. And, like, oh, man, when we were up in the media box, you could see it even more. But uh, Yeah, I know. Like, yes. everybody's just like, oh, Jake, like, what? So when you talk about that and you talk about Toffoli being a smarter player, like, what's an example of a situation where he makes a play and Jake Vertanen can't make the play? I think even just like the way he's able to exit the Canucks zone as you know, we don't, when we think of an offensive player, we're thinking what he does in the other zone. But I think like Toffoli's really good at zone entries and he's good at getting the puck in deep, you know, as cliche as that sounds, but his re- puck retrieval is much better than Jake Vertanen's. Yeah. Like, I think he's, that's why he's better at controlling the play and why he's better at feeding Pedersen these, these good passes and Miller, these passes and cycling the puck around. And even on the power play, like we talk about the power play all the time, like having to Foley and Miller retrieving pucks on that power play. Like, dude, that is a, that's the other, that's luxury. actually like a perfect way of transition. What I wanted to ask you about next, because bull Horvat is a guy that's, you know, still probably going to play on that first unit, but you have a guy like Brock Besser come back from his injury mm-hmm. when he does come back. And we're going to see a lot of success with Toffoli, I think on his power play, I mean, he's going to fit in real nicely with that group. He already has really. And when Brock Besser comes back, is Bo Horvat a guy that gets moved off, or do you think Besser goes to that second unit? I think Besser suits that second unit better, and I'll tell you why. Like that's the second, you know, the first unit really likes to cycle the puck. It runs through Hughes, and they really look for the good opportunity to take their perfect shot. Whereas with Besser, he's a pure shooter, right? So you know, he's not great at one timer, sure, but putting Besser on that second unit, which is a kind of a trigger happy unit, I'll say. Like I think that sorry I spit on you. That's a good unit for the uh, for the for the Canucks to have as a second unit. Like having Besser on your second unit. Like hell, look who was on the second unit last year, man. Like other than Quinn Hughes at the end, it was like Marcus Granlin, Troy Stetcher, Ben Hutton. These were the guys quarterbacking the second unit. It's like having that luxury of being able to put Besser on your second unit and have really having two effective units with like guys like Adam Gaudet and Jake Furtanen on that second second unit. Sorry, that's like. That that's it's really a luxury, and it's you know what else is a luxury is having Besser and Toffoli as your top two right wingers. Like that is that is really nice for the Canucks to have it going into a playoff run. Like that's a legitimate top six. It's not right now because Louis Erickson's in it, but as soon as he as soon as Besser gets back, man, that's a dangerous top six. And the other thing is like the injury to Brock Besser isn't his wrist, it isn't his knee, it's not an ankle, it's his ribs, right? Like it's 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 an injury yeah. that I think yeah. you can come back from as long as you take the right amount of time to come back from that injury. It's not like it's going to hurt you moving yeah. forward, I would think. But then again, you're going to get a lot of physical play in the playoffs, so maybe it does kind of hurt him when he starts to get checked a little more. But this four game road trip that they're currently on right now, and as we record this, they're halfway through it. They're about to head into Toronto uh, for back to back games against Toronto and then the Columbus Blue Jackets. But after this, this is the longest road trip for the rest of the year. They have a two-game road trip against Arizona and Colorado. They have a three-game road trip down to California where they take on Anaheim, L.A., and Vegas. And then the final road trip of the season 
is Dallas Stars and Arizona. So this this Canucks team, though they're put into a tough spot with losing their starting goaltender, they're also in a spot right now where you're going to get a ton of home games. You're going to have a little bit of break in between a lot of these games as well, and it's setting them up to kind of push for the playoffs. So are you worried at all with the Canucks making the playoffs now? Because, man, we're seeing the Pacific Division. It just gets tighter and tighter every day, it seems like. I don't think I'm worried yet. I don't think I'm panicking. Like that was a that was a game against Ottawa that I think the Canucks can really move past. And you know what? Ottawa's beat like Boston, Tampa. Like these are top teams in the league, man. And Ottawa beats them. And you know, it's crazy. Like I I think I wanted to mention this in my post game and I totally forgot to last night, but Ottawa's a team that reminds me a lot of like the 2017 or 20, 2018 Vancouver Canucks. Just a hard-working group, want to play hard for their coach. They know nobody thinks they're going to be anything. So they're just playing hard, and they pressure teams. They do a lot of, the, they do a, they do a lot of little things right, and they're, they're tenacious on the forecheck. They're hard, hard to play against, really. As, man, I'm throwing out all the cliches today. Holy <laughs> shit. But Travis Green loves this episode. But You're hyped, I can tell, because for people who didn't see the live stream, we pulled a Quinn Hughes rookie card uh, we did, before we yeah. got going. Thanks yeah. to uh, Zephyr Epic. Shout out for that. Yeah, we're going to get into an ad with them shortly before we get to the Zephyr Epic right. player and of the week. The other thing that I wanted, like I mentioned, there's a lot of home games. So there's nine, there's ten home games left uh, in the final little bit here, uh, just over... I guess 19 games, 10 of them are at home. Yep. The Canucks home record, 27-4. and four. That's the best in the Pacific. That's one of the best in the Western Conference. It's one of the best in the league. Aside from maybe like St. Louis, uh, they have a pretty good home record. But the Vancouver Canucks stack up against pretty much any other team at home. So out of these last little bit of games, do you think there's a chance of still winning the Pacific Division? Because the Vegas Golden Knights have been on a tear. They're on a seven-game win streak I right know, now. I know, I know. Well, I think there's a chance, sure. But I almost think facing like an Edmonton or a Calgary or an Arizona, really, like those are, you know, let's just say Edmonton, Calgary for argument's sake. If the Canucks were to finish second or third in the Pacific Division, that's who they're playing in the first round. Whatever they can do to avoid Vegas, man. Like, I, you know, Edmonton's at the same amount of points, but the Canucks have a game in hand, so I can't see Edmonton winning the Pacific. I can't really see Calgary doing it there at 65 games played. Like, the Canucks are at 63 games played, and they're still in striking distance. Like, you know, like, okay, so for example, like Vegas is at 65 right now, right? At the time of this recording. Canucks are at 63. Vegas has two more wins than the Canucks, or two, four more points than the Canucks do. So the Canucks, if they win their next two games, hypothetically, they're at the same amount of points as Vegas. So yeah, yes. by Sunday night, they could exactly. tie so, Vegas. Yeah, I think it's within striking distance. They would be ahead sure. of, I guess, because of wins. But. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're within striking distance for sure, but... Honestly, man, anything they can do to not match up with Vegas, like that's where I want to see the Canucks finish because I, I, I do worry about a Vegas Canucks playoff series. Right. And I guess where they're going to finish is going to be a lot to do with Thatcher Demko. And I know we touched on him a little bit at the start, but you know it's it's tough because we we talked about Jacob Markstrom being the MVP for this this team, right? And I mean, when your goalie is your MVP and you take that away, that's just such a big impact. And I'm wondering how much of that impact are we actually going to start to see with Thatcher Demko? Like, does this team go below 500 without Jacob Markstrom other lineup with Thatcher Demko is it that much of a drop off going from Markstrom to Demko I don't think so I think I think it's a little too early to jump on the we hate Demko bandwagon like I think he's gonna bounce back uh you know if you're listening to this on Saturday we're recording this Friday night I think he's gonna bounce back tomorrow against the Leafs and you know he's probably not gonna get the start against Columbus but we'll see stranger things have happened mm-hmm. you know maybe Domingue gets the start against Toronto who knows man like there's just 
when I look at the matchups, like Toronto's a team that can score almost at will, unless there's a Zamboni driver in net. And their defense is pretty weak. So the Canucks need to take advantage of that. Like, that's an inexperienced blue line. Like, you know, Tyson Berry, I heard Ray Ferraro say this today. Tyson Berry has 500 plus games played. The rest of the Leafs blue line has less than 500 combined. Like, that's insane. That's yeah. an inexperienced blue line that the Canucks need to take advantage of for sure. The only thing that scares me is you're going up against this Toronto team, and we saw what Ottawa just did putting four goals past Thatcher Demko. Yeah. And, you know, the Toronto forwards are a lot more talented than what they saw on uh, Thursday yeah, night. So yeah. that's going to be a huge test for Demko because the way that Toronto wins their games, you touched on the defense there, the way that Toronto wins their games is just simply outscoring people. Yeah. You know, they're going to see a lot of 6-5 games. The Canucks really shouldn't try and play that because I think that, you know, the way that they set up their team is they get a ton of shots fired at them. That's obvious. They get a ton of scoring chances against, but they almost limit it a little bit by keeping it, you know, keeping it to the outside, I guess is a way to say it. And and the way that, that Demko plays, like he needs to be able to stop that first goal that was scored on him uh, in the Ottawa game. That that has to be stopped every time. That's that's vintage Markstrom, right? That was the oh, first yeah. shot we would see against Markstrom every day that went in. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this team's coming together a little bit. The defense is something we need to talk about, but maybe we'll do that uh, quickly after the break here because we are going to quickly run an ad for Parallel 49, and then we'll dive into the defense on the other side because there's a lot to talk about because we just saw what Tyler Myers and Oscar Fantenberg did as a pairing. So we'll get to that right after this quick ad from our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing. And as I just mentioned, I want to give a quick shout-out to the folks at Parallel 49 Brewing for being the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. Go out there and try the Ruby Tears beer because Ricky Gervais says that is the best beer he has ever tasted. Um, also, right now, Parallel is deciding that for every beer that you buy in-store, they will donate $0.25 cents to a animal shelter cho- chosen by Ricky Gervais. And if you go out there and buy a six-pack of Ruby Tears, they will donate $1 for every six-pack sold. So go out there and make sure you check it out. They're at the BC Liquor Stores. They're all over those ones. Probably some private liquor stores as well. But make sure to check them out at the BC Liquor Stores because I know they always got parallel there. Um, I had a Filthy Pig the other night, uh, which is the 7.4%. Absolutely delicious beer and a, and a salty Scott. Uh, so go out there and try all the parallel beers. I got a ton of great ones for the fall, some great winter beers. And summer is just around the corner. So Ruby Tears, go out and try that because Ricky Gervais loves it so you should love it too all right and thank you to the folks at parallel 49 brewing like i mentioned ruby tears go and try it it's good beer uh quads i want to talk about the defense it's your um i guess it's your alley to go down because uh you like to talk about quinn hughes quite a bit and he's the most the most consistent pairing for the vancouver canucks this year is chris tanev and quinn hughes but does that need to be broken up to help out what we saw the other night between Tyler Myers and Oscar Fanberg? Because that just didn't look like an NHL pairing when those two were together. Yeah, like I think we've seen enough of Myers and Fandenberg to know that's not a great pairing. Like, you know, just the way they, like, you know, 41.05% Corsi, just all this stuff. Like, we're just looking at the stats right now, and you don't you don't even need the analytics to tell you that they're not a great pairing. Like, the eye test, whatever you want to do, like, just not a great pairing. And, you know, I'm actually somebody that doesn't, like, hate Tyler Myers as much as everybody else seems to I actually thought he played pretty well with Quinn Hughes like I I think Quinn Hughes has had a bit of a rough patch in the past like two two or so games you know he's still incredible like I oh I hate the people on Twitter they're like oh wow everybody's so mean to Myers but nobody's hard on Hughes nobody keeps him accountable it's like yeah man one's a 20 year old rookie who's like putting up all these points and being so solid defensively makes a mistake nobody's gonna be like oh he sucks we've got to get rid of him but you know Myers former Calder winner I might add yeah like 11 year vet like future former is what you're talking about yeah (laughs) making a huge huge amount of money yeah you're gonna be a little harder on him than you are the rookie blue liner who's already blown everybody away like 
I don't know. That that's me going off topic. And that's the thing. Well, Tyler Myers is put into a spot where he, I mean, he is technically on the third pairing right now when he's with Oscar Fantenberg. But if you look at it, you know, since the trade deadline, he's playing the third most minutes out of all these defensemen yeah. as well. He's playing just below Edler and just below Quinn Hughes. Like he's the next guy up. So he's you know, you talk about top four. He's one of the top three somehow. And that's just because Travis Green moves him around a little bit. But I'm wondering, like, what pairings make sense to you? Because I'll give you mine, and I, I think that what you're the thing that you're switching is actually moving Tyler Myers back to Alex Edler. And I think Whoa. you you play that line quite a bit together because I actually like I don't mind that they can both move the puck pretty well. Uh, Troy Stetcher was pretty effective when he was with Jordy Ben earlier this year, but I, I don't think we've really seen a lot of Troy Stetcher and Oscar Fantenberg together. I don't think we've seen a ton of that yet, and I think that both of them can move the puck half decently together um and you know if they can start to play a little bit together more because like man tyler myers is here and you mentioned he's making big money and i think a lot of people expect him to be in the top four it's not like not like the canucks really have like a top pairing either right because if you look at it for the five on five ice time quinn hughes and chris tan have played a lot together they might even be your first pairing but alex edler is kind of like still the number one defenseman here so they really just have a top four that need to work around. And I think the thing that makes sense for me the most is to go back to Alex Edler, Tyler Myers, uh, Quinn Hughes with Chris Tanev, and then it's if, if it's Fantenberg or if it's Ben, play them with Troy Stetcher. Because I think that you know Troy Stetcher, as much as people want to see him in a top four role, he makes a lot of sense right now to go back down and play yeah. with one of those two guys. Yeah. I think the, the best way to put it is probably like Tyler Myers is a top four defenseman on this team who's not in the team's top four. Like, you know, in terms of ability to play well he's in the top four of Canucks defenseman no doubt about it yep. but you know he's, he's looked a lot better like honestly when he came in this year for the price and just kind of looking at the analytics and seeing like clips of him he's probably been better than I expected yeah 100 like, I think especially at the start of the year he was like he was awesome at the start of the year yeah. he was playing awesome like he was great and uh, you know what he's playing with you Alex know, I was just about to say you know who he was playing with was Alex Edler so yeah, maybe put him back there. And I don't even mind Myers with Hughes. Like, I don't think that's a bad pairing. And it makes for some really funny videos, like when they celebrate I, a goal together. I don't like that pairing, though. I just I think in the defensive zone, like, Quinn Hughes does his job, and there's a lot of times where Tyler Myers is just kind of caught standing, which is, you know, I that's guess fair. you could say the same for Alex Edler when he's with Alex Edler. Sometimes those guys just get caught in cement. But that's the thing that I like about Quinn Hughes is even though I like him to stay with Chris Tanev just because mm-hmm. Chris Tanev – is so active in the defensive zone yeah. that you know I'm not saying Quinn Hughes is a bad defenseman, like a bad defender, and he needs help. But it's great to have Chris Tanev there to help him. Yeah, because sure. he and over the past little bit, we've seen him make a few mistakes that yeah. we just haven't seen all year long. Like yeah. he's made, he just hasn't had the puck as tightly to his blade as we've seen earlier on yeah. this year. Yeah. But that's gonna come. He's gonna have a couple of rough stretches here. It's not even like he's still like producing a ton yeah, offensively. Exactly. It's he just hit 50 points uh, for a defenseman which is crazy. He's like tracking down like the rookie yeah. defenseman scoring record now, which is insane. But uh, yeah, I mean like Tyler Myers, where do you have him move? Do you have him with Edler? Do you have him with Hughes? Where would you like to see him kind of move forward? Because I would not be surprised if Travis Green does a switch up after losing to Ottawa. I'd like to see him with Edler, but I want to ask you, Chris, what did you think of Quinn Hughes with Tyler Myers? Because that's what we saw in Ottawa. They switched it up. What did you think of that pairing? Yeah, I'd like, okay, so that pairing together, I mean, they put up a lot of goals. Right, like it's an offensive pairing. It's two guys that can move the puck pretty well. That's why I kind of like Tyler Myers with Edler because Edler can sort of move the puck well. Myers can sort of move the puck well, and Quinn Hughes can really move the puck well. The only thing that I don't really like is putting those two together because if you do, then you're playing Chris Tanev with Edler, and then it's like, oh, can they get the puck out of their zone a little bit better? And or if you're playing 
Chris Tanev with a guy like Fantenberg or Ben, it's like, fuck, they can't get the puck out of there uh, very well. So, I mean, that's kind of worries me a little bit. That's why I think Chris Tanev works the best with Hughes. But, I mean, the Myers-Hughes pairing, I, I know that Charles Green likes to use it when they're losing. You know, when, they need, when they're down by one or two goals, he puts mm-hmm. out that pairing quite a bit. We've seen that pairing a lot. It's the fifth most consistent pairing uh, on this Canucks team. But, yeah, I don't know. I just Something about that pairing, it just doesn't work for me because I yeah. like that the best defensive defenseman is there with Quinn Hughes, even though, like I said, he doesn't need to be bailed out so much. But the fact that Chris Tanev is there, that's what I like about him. It's like having the safety net. You don't need it, but if it's there, it's only a good thing, right? And, yeah, so I I do like that pair. So, yeah, you're like, I I have to agree with you on that. I like seeing Edler and Myers together. But I I just want to say, like, when I watched the game, like, I wasn't – I wasn't thinking like, oh man, Hughes and Myers, that's a horrible pairing. The way I'm thinking, oh man, Myers and Fantenberg, what the frick is yeah. going on? <laughs> no, that's very true. And I think that's a weird thing about Fantenberg and Ben. Like Ben had an amazing start to the year. Um, yeah. It wasn't sustainable though because he had 98%. When he was playing with Troy Stetcher, 98%, uh, their goalies were making 98% of the saves. Their yeah. on ice save percentage was 980 when they were together at the start of the year. And that's just not going to happen. So obviously they were due for something to fall off. They've fell, fallen off quite a bit over the past little bit, but I wonder if that type of pairing can come yeah. back together. You know, yeah, like, it's, like see if they can get a reunion. Yeah, going. they had their rise at the start of the year where the numbers were going to drop. Now they've had this drop where the numbers should rise again. So I wonder about that pairing going back together. But that's the thing with Troy Stetcher. Like, I think he can move the puck pretty well as well. I think he... There's certain things defensively and just as a defenseman that he can't do that Tyler Myers can do. Just physically pretty much is a basic way to say it like he can't do a lot of the things Tyler Myers can do just because of how big Tyler Myers is and I think he moves the puck just as well as a guy like Tyler Myers like Troy Stetcher is a guy that can move the puck well I think Fantenberg moves the puck okay I think Jordy Ben you know needs to have someone with him who can move the puck but that's that's one that we haven't really seen so Troy Stetcher and Oscar Fantenberg they've only played 70 minutes together at five on five they're the 11th most consistent pairing on this Vancouver Canucks team they don't have great numbers together as well. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great. They haven't been scored on, actually, as a pairing, which is pretty good in 71 minutes. Um, so they're probably due to fall off and have some some tough uh, goals against against them. But, I mean, that's a pairing we haven't really seen a ton of, and I'm fine with that. Like The, the way that I would set it up right now is Edler Myers, Hughes Tanev, and Fattenberg Stetcher, just because that seems like it makes the most sense for me. Like yeah, that's, that's, that's I don't really have reasoning behind it. I don't have like analytics to back it up, but it just seems like it makes a lot of sense. I would rather like, you know, it's crazy to say, I would rather see Troy Stetcher and Ben get reunited before I see more of Oscar Fantenberg. Like, you know, Fantenberg was great at the start of the year. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's really fallen off. Like yeah. he's, he's not a liability. Like I don't want to throw that word out there, even though I just did. Um, <laughs> but he's not, like I, I would just like to see Ben get another shot at it because I, I don't think Ben's been awful when he's been in the lineup like recently. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see Ben and Stetcher get another crack at it. Yeah. I, I mean, the defense is like looking at it and looking at other playoff teams. How do you feel like going into playoffs with the defense that we have right now? I like Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like they're still better than the Leafs. At least we have that. Yeah, right? that's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when you look at like who's on the blue line, it, like, man, it's, it's much, it's substantially better than last year. I mean, mm-hmm. hooray for that, I guess. Like, I don't know if this is a defense that you can ride deep into a playoff run. Actually, I know it's not, but I just like, 
man, like I I like what the defense brings with Tanev and Hughes. Like that's to me that's their best pairing. And Alex Edler's a very serviceable defenseman who takes a lot of weight off of Quinn Hughes having to play a ton of minutes. And even Chris Tanev, like dude, Alex Edler, like. I don't know, you talk to people who are casual Canucks fans, like, oh, Edler sucks. It's like, no, shut up. Don't say yeah. that. Like, Edler's a solid defenseman. Edler's super solid. Like, just, you don't know anything. He's a top four on any team in the league, I would say. Exactly. Like, there's, exactly. No, there's no arguing that. Exactly. I, I have friends that, like, joke about Edler and they think, like, they think he's bad, but I, I just don't even start with them. I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> you're just wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's hard to touch on the defense too much until we actually see what happens. So I'm yeah, sure we'll exactly. have a lot to talk about next week. But yeah, like, I would be, I would be happy to see. Myers and Edler go back together. But yeah. at the same time, you know, maybe it was just a tough game. Uh, I don't know if, if Travis Green's going to mix it up right now, but if he goes on the road and they get two more losses, I can almost guarantee we'll see something swap up yeah. about that defense after this weekend. So we'll see how the weekend goes, and then we'll uh, go from there. So let's move into our next segment, which is brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. So let's just throw that ad real quick, and then we'll get to the player of the week. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. All right, and it is time now for our Zephyr Epic Canuck of the Week. Quads, you didn't give a lot of options this week. You gave two options and a write-in option, which write-in got 1% of the vote. Uh, Tyler Toffoli got 33% of the vote, and JT Miller runs away with this one, wins the week at 66%. Are you with the followers or are you against the followers? I have to say I'm against them, man. Ooh. I think Toffoli, in terms of epicness, I think Toffoli was uh, Toffoli was up there for sure. Like six six points in four games. Fuck, like four of those were goals, man. Like goals are not easy to score in this league. And, you know, GT Miller, like I think he, the only reason I would have him winning this this week's honors is from that Ottawa game where everybody, literally everybody except for him, played poorly. Yeah. But JT Miller was not just good. He was great in that game. Like, he was, oh my gosh. Like, he looked like the only Canuck that d- did not want to let Ottawa get off easy. Like, man, I was so impressed. But again, like, that goal, like, that to fully scored, it came right from Miller. So it's good that we're having this conversation that we're saying, you know, both of them because they're on. They're on the same line, and it's pretty awesome that they're both the really the only players we could really think of for being the epic Canuck of the week. Right, and so yeah, mine is JT Miller. I'm gonna have to go with. Like you mentioned, what he did in that game against Ottawa was unreal. I mean, he was just a, he was just a dog on that puck. Like he was taken mm-hmm. away from everyone. I saw a really good tweet. Someone just wrote like, "Imagine having to go against that for 60 minutes." Like oh my he's gosh. his forecheck was strong. He's yeah. so good on the boards. And, yeah, and in the past three games, he has one goal and five assists. But the thing about those five assists are all of them are first assists. He set up all five of the goals that were scored in that one. So that's crazy to see. And the other thing that's it's interesting to look at because Elias Pettersson, who plays on a line with him, plays on the power play with him, only has two points in those past three games when JT Miller has six points. Um, like I mentioned, the five primary assists. The fact that he's putting up points on a line with Pettersson that's not involving Pettersson is just making me think like, man, once Pettersson finds his way a little bit and it seems like yeah. he's kind of just – 
just missing it. Like he's just like a millisecond or a second off of pulling the trigger or something. And that might be what's holding him back a little bit. But is there anything that you've seen out of Pedersen's game lately that makes you worry a little bit? Or do you think it's just a little tough stretch here? No, I don't worry. And the reason why is because this kid is going to come back from this. Like, you know, whatever, whatever tough stretch he's in right now. Like you saw the video. He's out there firing pucks 20 minutes after practice while Hughes is picking them up. Like that's like, that's dedication. And Pedersen is like, man, like he's so he's so into what he does and like he wants to be the best and he knows he can be the best and he really he's not going to rest till he is the best and he wants playoff (laughs) playoff success for this team and he's going to do everything in his power and you know right now like it's good that they have a guy like JT Miller and Tyler Foley carrying the load a bit because the Canucks didn't have that last year Pedersen fell off like much harder than he is right now and there was nobody there to help him like Pedersen had no secondary help last year, you know, and there was like obviously Besser and Horvat, but again, that's not really secondary scoring. The Canucks no. didn't have any of that last year, and now they've got two great players in Toffoli and JT Miller, and again, like, man, the Canucks pro scouting, like, good on them. Big shout <laughs> They've done a great job. Um, I want to give a quick uh, shout out because he hasn't really made the list, but he's had a really good month over the past little bit here, and that's Adam Gaudet. Um, quietly putting up 11 points in his last 15 games. And, you know, when you're putting up almost a point per game and you're only playing 12 minutes over those 15 games, like he's averaging 12 minutes, 24 seconds of ice time in those 15 games, he's got 11 points. Um, and I just, I just find that real impressive. He's got three goals on the power or sorry, three goals at even strength during that time. And then four assists on the power play and four assists at even strength. So quick shout out to Adam Gaudet, uh, as we're going in. And the other guy I needed to shout out was Alex Edler, who over the past week since we put out this poll, five points uh, in those in that little bit of running games. Wow. And, a, and though he's kind of the opposite of JT Miller, a lot of those are second assists. Uh, it's another, you know, to put up five points in three games, pretty impressive. I'm sure a lot of those came in the in the uh, shellacking of the Boston Bruins, which was awesome to watch. Yeah, um, and I know game. we touched on that a little bit, but maybe uh, we should mention that as well. We're going to start doing two podcasts a week. Uh, I know we brought it up on last week's. So I made you bring it up a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, man, I could just feel my voice just dying out here at the end of this episode. So you want to talk about uh, the two episodes a week, what we're going to be doing? Yeah, so we're going to be doing Tuesday evenings. So you're going to get those episodes probably by about 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock around there. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll still be doing the Saturday morning episodes, which we record on Friday nights. Yeah, you're going to be getting two episodes a week from us. And if you're on our Patreon, which you definitely should be by now, uh, you'll be getting monthly giveaways and a lot of good bonus content as well. Which uh, we just recorded a bonus content episode as well, talking about our past in sports and what kind of got us into sports media. Yeah, talking about our our paths to kind of how we like found working with each other and like how we ended up here. Yeah, it was a fun one. Went on for like 25 minutes, and that's why my voice is dying because we're at this point that we should be done recording. But now we got to get to our next segment. That's right, folks. It is time for Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Holy moly, it's only you all the way to this first career goal power 
right, guys, joining us now for the Riding the Bus segment. It's a happy Corey Hergott because the comments are coming off of a 7-3 shellacking of the Toronto Marlies. Um, when there's a game like this, Corey, I just kind of want to let you flow. Like, what did you see tonight? What was clicking for this team? Because it seemed like this is one of the games that we saw a lot earlier on this year with this team. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, the, the Comets caught the Marlies napping in this one early, and it was just, it was all Utica from start to finish. Uh, the Marlies had a little bit of life in the third period. They pulled their goalie late, uh, but, you know, I mean, Aaron, yeah, pulled their goalie actually a little bit earlier than they were, like, a little over four minutes left in the game when they yanked him the first time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. Reed Boucher, uh, you know, he had three goals and two assists. He's uh, picked up his 63rd point tonight. That makes him the Comets' uh, all-time leader for points in a single season. Uh, he had tied that record last year. It was set in the first season by, I, I want to say, Pascal Peltier back in the day. So, uh Good on Reed. I mean, he's spent all season down there. He's uh, he's an absolute beast at the AHL level, and he proved it again tonight with another big game. Uh, Sven Berchi had a nice game tonight with a couple of really, really nice assists. Uh, Cole Lind and Justin Bailey hooked up on an absolutely beautiful goalie uh, goal by Bailey. Uh, he was uh, kind of in the air when he scored it, so it was uh, it was pretty sweet. And uh, you know we. Ashton Sautner had a bit of a rough night. He was uh, got belted around a few times, uh, left the game for a little bit, but came back. Uh, Lucas Yashik didn't play. He was out with an undisclosed injury today, so that's only the second game he's missed all year. Uh, Wacey Hamilton came back after missing a, a stretch of games with a broken foot, scored a beautiful goal uh, early. And uh, actually, Cole Lynn picked up two assists tonight, too, because he got an assist on the Hamilton goal and he assisted on the Bailey goal as well. So uh, it was just a really, really good night all around. Mikey DiPietro made some a couple of absolutely ridiculous saves, as he's kind of prone to do. Mm. And uh, he also let in, a, a you know, a couple that maybe he would have liked back, as he is sometime prone to, sometimes prone to do. But, uh, you know, he picked up, uh, oh, I don't even know, I, I'm going to get this wrong. I want to say his 16th, maybe, or 17th win of the year now wow. uh, so he, he's doing well this year do you think that's um i mean i'm looking at the stats right now for this game and i see 34 shots for the utica comets is that almost a secret to their success like they need to be firing shots on that because it seems like they have the talent that when they actually do that get this amount of shots that this is when they're going to have their success like they need to be able to just fire shots on net. they have enough talent they have good snipers like if you're shooting 34 shots on net as the utica comets i mean it seems like you're getting four plus goals every time well, they you you said it to start there. I mean, they've got the horses to uh, to do it right. I mean, they 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 should be able to outscore most teams on most nights. When you look at players like Reed Boucher, who, as I said, is ridiculous at the American League level. You look at Sven Berchi, who's uh, you know he's got forty uh, something or thirty. What is he at? Uh, no, he picked up his thirtieth assist, a thirty-first assist, and twelfth goal tonight. So yeah. he's getting up there in points now. Uh, Nikolai Goldobin, uh, he's always going to put up points. Uh, you know, Justin Bailey's got twenty-seven goals now and eighteen assists. Cole Lind is uh, he's uh, up to thirty assists on the season now, and I think he's got thirteen, fourteen goals. So uh, they've got they've got enough uh, players there on the roster to to put the puck in the net. It's just been keeping it out of their net that's been kind of the uh, the bit of the issue this year. Um, Mikey DiPietro's been able to bar the door for the most part, and he's going to have to keep doing that. It's going to be really interesting to see if he gets uh, three starts in a row here. Uh, I don't think. Um, Trent Cole's going to be going with Jake Kiley tomorrow night against Laval. So uh, 
Mikey DiPietro, he is the man in Utica right now, and, and uh, you know he's he's handling that role really, really well. Yeah, most definitely. And I just got to give a quick, uh, I guess, tell everyone, Quads isn't here for this interview, so like people shouldn't be expecting uh, David to jump in at any point. It's just you and me for this one. Um, I, I I guess I want to ask, like Corey, you look at this team that we have this year, and you just touched on it. Like you said, there's some absolutely ridiculous players on this team if you look at it. How how big of a difference is it from last year to this year? Is it just like a growth of a lot of these players, or did they really do a good job, like the organization as a whole, on bringing in these type of players to make this Utica Commons team have this much skill? Well, I think it's a bit of both. When I talk to Trent Cull, uh, I've been able to speak with him a few times this year, and uh, every time I've talked to him, he's brought up the fact that the team this year has really uh, stepped up in terms of uh, providing him with uh, you know more more players who are uh, capable and able at the American Hockey League level and players who can move up to, uh, you know, to the NHL level. Uh, the first year with the team that I covered the team, that was Trent's first year coaching, and it was uh, a night and day difference with the roster of players available to him then. Last year, uh, you know, aside from Tanner Caro, uh, the Canucks didn't really provide the, the Comets with a whole lot of, uh, you know, offensive weapons. Uh, this year, the team is full of guys that Justin Bailey, Sven Berchi, Nikolai Goldobin, Reed Boucher, and then you've got guys who have improved from last year, like Lucas Yashik and Cole Lind and Jonah Gajevic. And the, these guys are coming in and they're producing and they're performing and they're able to uh, handle bigger roles than they've been able to handle in previous years. So I, I think it's uh, it's it's a bit of both, Chris. They've the, the team has done a really good job of filling in around the prospects that are there with players who can uh, actually support them and help them put up points. And, uh, you know, those young players have also improved a, a, a substantial amount. So I think it's a bit of both, and uh, I think it's part of the way the development system is going down in Utica. They've, they've got a better support system there in terms of the players uh, there around the prospects, and the prospects are, are uh, taking steps. So it, it, I think it's a good sign of things to come down there. Sounds like a hell of a formula for an AHL team, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you—that's the thing. The first couple of years, we saw guys like Michael Chaput and Jason Magna down there as the the support guys, and and Chaput, I, I have lots of time for Chaput at the American Hockey League level. Jason Magna is even a, a pretty solid player at the American Hockey League level, uh, but they're not the same kind of guys as a as a Gold Opener or Berchi or a, or a Boucher and and that 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 high end of a player. Um, you know, having those guys there. And I mean, we've only seen six games of Tyler Grayovac there. He still has to come in and play here to, at the end of the season, which is going to give them another boost on their uh, hunt to get into the playoffs. So well, that's, that's something that we haven't talked about a lot, but it's because we haven't got to see him yet. But I can't wait to start talking about what Grayovac makes an impact on this team. Yeah, the gravy train is going to run wild in Utica. <laughs> Glad uh, you got a nickname we, already, Corey. That's good. No, You're ahead of the had, curve. He's had that one. He's had that one already. <laughs> I heard somebody else say that one earlier in the year. Uh, they, I heard somebody call him Gravy, and uh, I mean, uh, it's great. It works with his name, and uh, yeah. you know, he's a he's a pretty skilled player at the American League level. He had 50 points last year, so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, when he gets into the lineup here. He's been down in Utica for about a week now, getting into some practices. Yeah. Uh, I'd imagine we could see him tomorrow. It's a possibility. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I guess the final thing I wanted to wrap up with this game, and I want to get to your article that you wrote quickly right after this one, um, but no power play goals out of the seven goals for you could comments. What was it like at five on five? Because Toronto, the Marlies end up getting five power play opportunities, score one power play goal, but was five on five just utter domination by the comments tonight? 
Well, the the line of Justin Bailey with uh, Wacy Hamilton in the middle and and Cole Lind on the right, um, they were dominating pretty much every shift that they were on the ice. Uh, the the line. The, the line of uh, Goldobin, John Stevens, and uh, uh, Francis Perron had some really big shifts as well. And then you go rolling out there with Berchi, uh, Carter Camper, and Reed Boucher. I mean, the the Marlies were kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is. Um, they had their hands full with the Comets tonight. Utica came out uh, hot right away, and they just kept their foot on the gas pedal the whole game. So that's that's the way this team has to play. They're a high octane team when they when they play that way, and, and that's when they have their success. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. And you know, especially five on five, the fact that they'll do that because I think a lot of those players we think of as guys that will be power play specialists in the AHL. But the fact that they can do that five on five, that's huge. But before we wrap up, Corey, I want to get to part one of your article that you worked on because I know you mentioned this was a long interview with Utica Comets mental skills coach Ashton Patel, and I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. Um, but you wrote that for Canucks Army on February 27th, which was Thursday that came out uh, in the morning. So I guess maybe you just want to touch on what you talked about because I think a lot of people didn't know about this guy's name at all kind of before this article yeah it's ashwin patel uh he goes by ash or at least that's what uh what the players tend to call him i guess and and the uh the coaches um yeah he was hired by the comets uh in the off season uh scott walker when he was still with the canucks in their uh in their development system uh he was working with with ash in uh in guelph and uh kind of put ashwin together with uh, ryan johnson and uh the two of those the two of them sat down and hammered out a kind of a plan and a plan of attack for what to do for for the comets on the mental skills side of things and uh it's really it was really fascinating to me he he, he talked and talked and talked and and uh I just I couldn't help but just sit and listen because everything that he was saying just it sunk into me is these kids in Utica, the players, the staff, the coaches, like he's available to everybody down there. Right. Uh, you know, he puts together uh, plans for them for players if they've got uh, you know some issues with their confidence or or uh, that sort of a thing. He can kind of help them out on that on that side of things with uh, putting together presentations and reports and and uh, uh, like videos and podcasts and and gets all that kind of information together and, and helps them kind of wade their way through these these sorts of obstacles that young players will face as they're as they're coming up at the pro level and uh the fact that he's doing this he's there a couple of times a month and he spends two or three days uh at a time when he's there um you know to me it's just uh it's just massive that the that the team is is putting these kind of resources uh, forth for the for the players and the prospects to be able to use. I've spoken with a bunch of players from the Comets now in the last couple of seasons, and uh, they've all said that to me, that the, the, the Canucks organization has done a really great job of providing them with any resource that they could possibly need uh, to kind of get their, their career going and, and to be good professionals. And, you know, the team, I, I put it in my article, the team isn't trying to just churn out robots here that play hockey. They're yeah. trying to churn out, you know, good people and, uh, you know, people who can, who can, you know, as Travis Green says all the time, players that he wants, players that he can win with. And when you've got a guy like Ashwin Patel down there, who can give the, you know, one of his quotes was like, if we can get 1% better on the mental right. side of things, I mean, that's that's just a huge, huge thing if the team can do that and, and help their players 
on that side of things. These guys are fantastic athletes. They can do all the work they want in the gym and they can go and, and work on their skating all summer long. But if they don't have the mental capacity and the mental ability to uh, to be able to, you know, carry forward as a professional, uh, they're not going to have a, a great career. And this is, a, this is just one more way of the Canucks giving these young players a way to have a great career down the road. I, I'm, I'm just really, really impressed with, uh, with what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. He's got ideas for what he'd like to see it, uh, his job evolve in the future as well. And I'm going to get into that in the second half of the article. Awesome. Um, that should be showing up next week on Canucks Army. Perfect. Uh, hopefully before we record next week, because I'd love to get into this a little bit more, but uh, we're going to wrap it up here. And, and Corey, I just want to say I'm impressed with your uh, – how much he transcribed here from quotes, because I don't know if you used a program for this, but he gave you a lot uh, to quote in this article. <laughs> no, this is uh, no programs used. This is uh, I uh, I do my interviews uh, with my phone on speakerphone, and I use my iPad beside me to record the conversation, oh. and I go back and I listen to the whole conversation over and over and over again, making sure I'm getting the the quotes proper i don't want to misquote somebody yeah. i don't want uh i don't want somebody to to read an article that i've written and, and say hey man that's not what i said <laughs> so i'm i'm very very uh very very sure when i write my articles when i write those that i i i do it the right way and uh yeah it's a lot of work um yeah i can see I the hours I, behind it here <laughs> i think i was about four hours of transcribing just oh. just handwriting out that interview um afterwards it was a 40 minute interview so mm-hmm. uh it was great and i would t- i would talk to that guy a hundred times again if he gave me a hundred more opportunities he's just uh, a wealth of information and That's just awesome. a great person to talk to Excellent. Well, I'm excited for part two and kind of what you mentioned there. You know, going forward, I'd like to see what he's kind of bringing to this team. So uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, it's on Canucks Army right now. I believe it's the featured article as well on the top of Canucks Army if you check it out right now. So check that out. It's 1% stronger uh, in interview with Ash. So go ahead and check that out. And, Corey, thanks a lot for doing this. And we'll dive into part two next week with you. You bet. Thanks again, Chris. And, hey, uh, fantastic job on your Botchford uh, project article, man. I uh, I had tears in my eyes when I read that today. It was absolutely fantastic, man. You did a f- great, great job. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we're just about to get to that part, actually, where we discussed it. So that's a great job transitioning by you, Corey, without even knowing it. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Corey. We'll do this again next week, and we'll wrap up part two of your great article as well. Sounds good. Talk to you then. And thank you very much to Corey Hergott for joining us there for our Riding the Bus segment. As you could tell, a very excited Corey Hergott because the Comets win, we get excited Comets, Corey. So always good to wrap up with him. Um, The only thing I wanted to close out with quads is the article that I just released. Finally, my Boxer Project article came out midday on Friday. Um, I was so happy with it. Even like reading it back brought like tears to my eyes as I was kind of like reading it uh, and seeing like the final product of it because I knew that a lot of work went into it. Um, but everything like just reading it and seeing everyone like be so supportive of it and just like, bringing a smile or bringing tears to someone's face like on yeah. Twitter. And I, I appreciate everyone that reached out. My DMs have been packed all day long today. Uh, my notifications I'm not even looking at because there's no point. <laughs> there's too yeah. many people yeah. um, like giving me props, I guess, and stuff like that. And I appreciate it because, yeah, like when I when I got the opportunity to write the Botcher Project, I knew exactly what I was going to write about. I knew about this since like the start of the year, what I wanted to do. Uh, with the article and i think the help that a lot of people gave me like tony gallagher um and wyatt aren't Harmon, j pat petterson horvat stetcher all these guys that joined in and gave me a hand i really appreciate it so i was just happy that uh, the product kind of came out because i think i mentioned it uh on our tuesday show or our wednesday or sorry our monday show 
Uh, I mentioned that I was kind of getting nervous because I feel like I like pumped it up too much, but I I, I think it hit uh, hit yep. where I wanted it to. Yeah. yeah, no, dude, I was so excited for it, and I you know I you know I was pumping it up a little too much. Maybe <laughs> if you were worried about that, I'm sorry about <laughs> that, but. Uh, I, dude, you know how excited I was for this yeah, thing. And, like, I was, like, your biggest cheerleader on this thing. Like, I was, like, telling everybody they got to read this. This is going to be the best article out of the whole Botchford Project initiative. Um, and, you know, that's not to discount anybody else. There's been a lot of good stuff from our Botchford Project right. family. Of course. Especially that first one. That was awesome. The first man. one was okay. Yeah. yeah. No, the first one was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, like, your story was really well done. And just the way it flowed was just, like... The quotes were done perfectly. Like I just, I, yeah, like dude, it was a really good piece of writing, and you should really be proud of that. Yeah, thank you. I, um, I, I tried to, almost, I tried to copy like everything that I could from the actual article that he wrote. I think I was like seven words off uh, for the word count actually yeah, yeah, when yeah. I sent it in, or something. I was very close to it. I had the same font size that I sent in for it. So I was hoping they were going to keep all that. The same picture. Uh, huge shout out to Georgia Twist who was crazy busy but she found some time to make the image for me i know they didn't end up using the full image on the canucks website uh but that's that's fine they ended up using the picture of botch that was that i wanted included anyways even though it wasn't quite the backdrop like we saw with the elias Pettersson article totally fine i just appreciate the opportunity to do all that and georgia for stepping up everybody that helped with the quotes and the canucks staff that day were very helpful the fact that they went out and got elias Pettersson for me um i think i mentioned on rob fay uh, on wednesday but you know Pettersson didn't talk to anybody that day he didn't talk to media he didn't practice he didn't do anything but when he heard that i was writing about jason botchford uh he came out and he's like whatever you need however much time you need and we went for like five plus minutes uh so huge shout out to him i think he really kind of put the article together as well and, and chatting with tony was so much fun so uh yeah i was excited with it and i think there's only a few of these botchford projects left yeah so i hope that there's gonna be some good articles and i think there's a lot of people out there that i still want to see get an opportunity to go yeah, for this botchford project so many people in this market like mm-hmm. It was like, it was definitely, it's definitely cool that you and I both went and, you know, I was before you just in case you forgot. Um, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, there's so much talent in this place and like, man, I just look at it and it's, it's the articles that have come out, like there hasn't been a bad article no, or like yet. an article that you're like, oh, well, this person maybe shouldn't have got it. Like, man, everybody has been awesome. And you know, what we've heard from J Pat and Drance and all these guys is like, they've all carried themselves really well. And you know, mm-hmm. like I joke around that I was the Guinea pig. Cause it was definitely a, like they I were think like, I heard from Jeff that he like left you too. Like he Jeff did leave me. He left you up in the media box Jeff for, did leave and me. you didn't know how to get down or like no, where to get to I the I followed room PJ anything. who I hadn't yeah. really talked to much. And I, you know, now <laughs> I'm like, PJ is a great guy. We talk, talk a lot more, but I was just like, man, like, I don't know how to get here. And he's like, Oh, get on after hours. And then we walked behind the after hours. So it was just hilarious. But <laughs> yeah, awesome. we're going to have to have PJ night. on. I think we were working on getting him this week, but he's got a week off cause he didn't do the road trip this yeah. week. So we let him have some time with his family, but yeah. I would love to get him on here for oh, an yeah. episode. He's a lot of fun and been a huge help for both of us. Um, that basically wraps it up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode. As we talked about in the start, next week's episode 69. We're going to have to bring some, something special to the episode. Nice. Absolutely nice. And uh, we'll wrap it up right there. For David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Canucks Conversation.